Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to chat with Hunter Wilson, a.k.a. Texas Pipeliner 35, about the realities of being a rig welder. When getting into the trade, a lot of people set their sights on becoming a rig welder, and I thought it'd be awesome to get a first-hand perspective of what it's like to run your own rig. He talks about costs from consumables to tires for his truck, gives some examples of how he gets paid, and then talks about being responsible with that money. If you're interested in becoming a rig welder, you won't want to miss this one. We jump in after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a school that'll give you the art time you need and skills to succeed out in the workforce? Look no further than our friends over at Art Labs. With four locations spread across South Carolina and one out in Houston, you have plenty of options on where to attend. Learn from professionals in the pipe, structural, pharmaceutical, shipbuilding, and construction industries who'll teach you more than just how to pass a test, but how to excel in your job. Speaking of jobs, they also work with you on job placement offering guidance on industries and prepping you for what you will encounter not only on their weld test, but also out in the field. They've even started a new internship program where you can get real-world experience that can turn into your next job. Their students have gone on to land jobs with companies like Lockheed Martin, Boiler Tube of America, Arc Energy, Crowder, Ingalls, and many more. If you're ready to jump into a career and get the best training around, head on over to artlabs.edu to find out more information today. Upgrade your welding game today with the highest quality leather products from Outlaw Leather USA. Their welding hoods, arm pads, and handles are expertly crafted with premium materials to provide long-lasting durability and stunning visuals. Don't settle for less than the best. Experience unbeatable protection and comfort with Outlaw Leather USA's custom leather products. As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Upgrade your welding gear now at Outlaw Leather USA. Thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you back on the podcast. But for people that might not be familiar with who you are and what you do, you want to introduce yourself? So my name's Hunter Wilson. I go by Texas Pipeliner 35 on Instagram and Professor Wilson on TikTok. I'm a welding instructor here in South Texas. I'm also a rig welder down here in South Texas. So I stay pretty busy. Yeah. That was the big topic we wanted to talk about today was rig welding. Everybody gets into the industry and they say, you got to be a rig welder. You got to go be a rig welder. But nobody Mm -hmm. talks about what it's like to be a rig welder. So can you share your experience of like first getting into the field and then we'll dive into progression through the trade as a rig welder. So when you, how did you first get into it in the first place? I literally just got thrown into this. Like I knew I wanted to be a welder. And at the time I wanted to be like my oldest brother who was already welding by the time I graduated high school. And he was chasing drilling rigs. And that's all he did was drilling rigs. Didn't do pipeline, didn't do power plants, didn't do compressor stations, none of that. It was just drilling rig work. And that's what I wanted to do. It's not necessarily something you typically can do as a single hand. You can do it. There are family-owned companies out there that have extra welding trucks that will put you in it and teach you what you got to know if you don't already know and send you out to drilling rigs, which is what happened with me. It was the Monday after I graduated high school. I went to go pick my brother up from work because he was working single hand for this company. And his boss comes outside and says, hey, your brother said that you're out of high school and you know how to weld. And I was like, well, yes, sir. And he was like, all right, cool. You start tomorrow. 
and he just walked back inside his house. And I get there the next morning, and he throws some keys at me, and he says, see that blue Ford over there? That's your company truck. Merry Christmas. I need you to build this cellar cap over here, and then I need you to patch these tanks that we got in the yard. And I had no idea what a cellar cap was. I didn't, like, I had an idea of how to patch those tanks, but not the right way that was going to be quick. And some other things happened where this old man loved to piss people off. And he did it with me because he was like, you have to get used to this because people are going to be yelling and screaming at you and calling you all kinds of names. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Of course, he didn't explain that to me. I just thought he was being an asshole when he was actually just having the time of his life and teaching me a lesson at the same time. And to this day, I am forever grateful for that. I still call him every chance I get. I go see him every time I'm in, you know, that neck of the woods. The man is basically family at this point. Yeah. My second welding rig that I bought was actually that truck. That was my company truck. Oh, that's crazy. What a just full circle there. Yeah, really. How did you start learning how to do all that stuff? Did he give you any kind of guidance or... Well, like this, it started off, he wouldn't let me go out to location. It was just working in the yard. And it was like fixing open top tanks or fixing trailers, sometimes even cutting grass. And that was annoying, but a necessary evil, I guess. Because even as a welder, sometimes you're not welding. Sometimes they stick you with other things and... Like, you have to go help guys bolt up. I've been told to go paint before kind of stuff. Yeah, but, you know, at welder's rates, I'm not complaining. Yeah. I just don't like it. You're Mr. Miyagi. He was giving you all these tasks Mm. that were going to make you an awesome rig welder. Yes, and it got to the point where he started to trust me and my abilities to do things. So he was like, okay, now we're going to learn how to do wellheads. So either I would go with my oldest brother... Or he would go with me and he would tell me, you get down in the cellar and we're going to show you how to do it. So he showed me. And when I say he showed me, he stood there and was like, okay, this is how you find your takeoff for your wellhead. You know, you got to figure out where your weld's going to be. So your weld's going to be down here. Your cut's going to be up here. So cut it right there. You know, Mijo, you got to cut it straight. You can't, it can't be all jaggedy. It has to be smooth. And he'd show me how to do that. And sometimes he would take the torch and like show me and cut a little bit, then stop and then be like, all right, now you do that. And he would coach me through it. And when it came to weld the wellhead, it was put your hood on and watch me do this. And so I watched him do it. I think it was like two or three wellheads. I had to sit back and watch. And then on the third or fourth one, he was like, all right, I'm going to weld this half. I want you to weld this other half. And we basically brother-in-lawed that wellhead. And then after a couple of those, he was like, all right, now you weld it. I'm just going to sit here and watch. And he'd just sit there in the cellar, eating his snacks and drinking his sugar-free Red Bulls. And he'd be like, I want you to grind that spot out. I don't like the way you did that. I I didn't like your restart there. So grind it out. Let's do it again. And... I've never failed a test on a wellhead and those either you pump them full of nitrogen or hydraulic oil or even grease. And as long as it holds whatever pressure they want it to hold for X amount of time, it's a pass. I've never failed one of those. Thankfully, knock on wood. I don't (laughs) fail one ever, but he explained to me how to fix it. If something does happen like that. And the other thing you got to worry about is inside of a wellhead, there are these rubber gaskets. It's either one, two, or three, depending on the size of the head. And if you don't prep your casing right, it will rip those, those gaskets out. And sometimes even when you do everything right, it'll rip that gasket out anyways. So he taught me what to do in that situation. Luckily, I've never had to deal with it after the wellhead was welded, only before. And that's simple. You just pull the head off, change out the gasket, put it back on, two-hole it again, and weld it out. 
So that's what I started to do. And then it was like simple things after that. Because the wellhead and the flow line were always the hardest part because the flow line has a bunch of miter cuts and you got to zig and zag and get into some weird spots. After he showed me how to do that, everything was gravy. Didn't really need to have him there like holding my hand and being like, okay, this is what you're going to do for this. It's, it was like common sense stuff after that. And so he started letting me go out by myself on jobs. Or so if they needed two welders, I'd go with my older brother. And my older brother would just explain to me like how the drilling process worked and what this did and what that did. And this guy's responsible for this. So if you have a problem, go talk to this guy over here and everything else. But the other thing I did, because I was also in welding school while this was happening, oddly enough, at the <laughs> school I'm teaching at now, same shop and everything. And nothing but full but, circles. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but after a while, I was like, you know what? I want to learn how to do something different besides just this. And down here in Alice, Texas, where, you know, the school's at, where my first job was at, there was a bunch of mom and pop welding shops. So I started hopping around with these different shops and I would go in and I'd tell them like, look, I'm learning. I want to learn something different. This is what I already know how to do. You know, I see that you're doing something slightly different. If you got a spot, I'll take it. Yeah. And that old man I was working for, he completely and totally understood. Because when I was 18, the original plan was to be a high school ag teacher with a focus in welding. But I didn't want to be one of those welding instructors that didn't know shit about welding, just to like bubblegum things together. Yeah. Wanted to show people so, how to do it right. So I learned, I wanted to learn how to do pipe, structural, MIG, TIG, stick, flux core, all that. So that's why I started hopping around with these different shops. And, you know, some one shop I was over here building like diesel tanks that are like basically the size of dumpsters. Damn. They're not huge, but they're not tiny either. Building skids. One of them, we did a whole lot of pipeline work. And even that I got thrown into because we would do two inch pipelines here and there and then some you know, rebuilding some risers over here. And it was stuff that I didn't need to be tested for. Well, that old man that I was working for, one day was like, hey, I need you here at the shop at 4.30. We're going to Corpus and we have to be there before six. Corpus isn't that far. So I didn't understand why I needed to be there that early. But I thought we were going on a job. We went to a test lab and I was like, what are we doing here? What is this place? He's, oh, it's a test lab. And we're taking a test for Exxon Mobil. I was like, I've never taken a real welding test before. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it, Miko. Just do what I do and you'll pass. So we took a bell, a branch, and two-inch monster test. And the bell and two-inch monster, that was easy. The bell hole, it's a 12-inch butt weld at a 5G. The two-inch monster is a butt at a 6G, open root. Easy. No reason why you shouldn't be able to pass that. It was the branch test that threw me off. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. But he helped me through it, talked me through it, and I passed. And at eight, no, 19, I had ExxonMobil papers. Damn. And this is all while I'm working single hand, running somebody else's rig for them. And, and in school. Yeah, and in school. And thankfully, my welding instructor, he knew what I was doing. And so he would give me credit because he's, oh, you're out there working. You're out there learning better than what you're going to be doing here because at least out there you're getting paid. Yeah. So, but the thing is, I would have to come in and show him what I learned to make sure it was actually worth a grade for him. Well, that's to take a step back real fast. I mean, I think that's awesome that you're able to go out into the field, learn stuff, and then go show them what you learned. And then that was like passing for the class. I think that's great. And mm -hmm. I think that more programs should be like that. I feel like it should be encouraged to go and get work outside. And if you are working in the field, just show what you're learning. That's awesome. I think that's a great philosophy mm -hmm. for teaching. So branch test, a lot of people will talk about that, but a lot of people might not know what that is. So what exactly is a branch test? 
So a branch test, so you're going to take a template, lay it out on the pipe, and you're going to lay out what's called a saddle. Mm-hmm. And that saddle is what's going to allow you to get that piece of pipe and set it on top of that other piece of 12 inch. And you have to make it fit perfectly and then cut a hole out in the bottom pipe that you're saddling to and, you know, weld it out. I wish I had a picture to show you better. Well, I could find it. Y'all go check out. Yeah. I'll, I'll put um, one up there. <laughs> put one up there. I'll send you some pictures of how it goes. Or if, you know, y'all want to come check out my Instagram or my TikTok, I have where I basically talk about it. And then I'm going to be putting something in the Weld app too, more in depth. So if y'all go check me out on the Weld app, we'll get in more depth there with that. But the thing about a branch test is it's not hard because almost all of us, especially if we were in a high school ag class, learn how to cut a saddle because you got to... You use it a lot like building barbecue pits, fences, cattle panels, stuff like that. That's why we learn how to do that in a high school ag class. But for this test, it has to be 100% penetration on your root and then, you know, a good looking clean cap. And what they do is they don't take straps out of that and bend them like what we're used to seeing. We do what's called a nick test where you have to cut into your straps on three sides and they break it and they look inside those straps. And if they see anything that looks like pepper, which is trap slag, Mm -hmm. it's an automatic fail. So they pull four straps. If even one of them has pepper in it and you fail the whole test, come back in 60 to 90 days to retest. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. There's a lot of stuff that goes into prepping for tests that I feel like people don't really realize. Yeah, there's know. there is a lot and a lot of times you show up and your pipe coupons are egg-shaped because when they were cutting those coupons, they let them drop and hit the ground. And it egg-shapes your coupon. There are different tricks and different ways of fixing that. And sometimes you just have to tell your inspector, like, hey, my coupon's egg-shaped. I can't get the high-low out. I either need a different set or you need to cut me some slack whenever you come to check my fit up. And... Some inspectors, they're cool. They'll be like, oh, just, you know, grab a different set of coupons. You know, find yourself one that's not egg-shaped. Mark this one for us, and we'll give it to the local high school. Other times, the inspector's, oh, that sucks, and he just walks off. And he doesn't give you an answer if he's going to cut you slack on your fit-up or not, because that's one thing they check, is they check your fit-up. They check how accurately you got your gap. They check your route. So typically, after you run your route, you go ahead and run your hot pass and then call the inspector to come look at it. And if he likes the way your route looks, you continue on with the test. But it's the same thing, like I said, with the straps. If the inspector comes and looks at it and he says, oh, I don't like the way your route came out, fail. And typically for pipeline, you take anywhere from two to, I've heard as much as six tests for different things. Yeah. And so if you fail just one of those, you fail everything. You're done. On to the next one for you. 
just kind of getting back to your journey here. So when did you start just like going out on your own and doing your own work? Did you work for these companies Uh, for a long time and then transfer to do your own thing? Or was it kind of like you started just getting freelance work from all these different companies? Because I feel like that's something people need to understand is that it's not like you just go out and get a job and then that's your like job forever. Yeah, That's not like the way the path works. Let's see. Because the first time I moved away from home for my first big boy pipeline job was in 2011 or 12. I don't really remember. I was working single hand on that one. And it wasn't until another year later that I got my first truck, which is the one I'm sitting in now. So it was like 2012 or 2013 when I bought my first welding rig. And granted, I should have bought one much sooner but i was young and stupid with my money you know as partying, yeah partying chasing girls you know doing the dumb stuff and i'm gonna tell all y'all young bucks now it is not worth it don't waste your time chasing a bunch of women don't waste your time partying and drinking with your friends stay focused on your grind because ain't nothing about all this cheap because yeah. you got to pay for that yourself And after that, I really and truly just went wherever the wind blew me almost. I did chase pipeline for a while, which is why my Instagram handle is Texas Pipeliner35. I made it when I was like 19 and thought I was God's gift to welding and pipelining. But I learned real quick also that if you just stick to one thing, whether it's pipeline or refineries or chasing drilling rigs, there's going to come the slow season. And every year there's always a slow season. Some is slower for other people. And it doesn't matter what part of that industry you're in, if you're in the oil and gas side of things, there's a slow season for everybody. So if you're just a one trick pony who can only do pipeline, or you can only do this, or you can only do that. When that slow season comes, you're sitting at the house not making any money. So that's why I pretty much got out of just strictly chasing pipeline. And I just, wherever I wound up for a job, that's where I was at. I've worked for different drilling companies, different pipeline companies, a couple of different power plants. I haven't done a whole lot of plant work just here and there kind of stuff. I've worked for a ton of fab shops. So even if I had to work single hand, I had no problem with it as long as I was making money. Because one thing a lot of people don't understand is as a rig welder, there are times where you're supplying your own stuff, like chasing drilling rigs. But you're a contractor out there. So you're supplying everything yourself, your rods, your grinding wheels, your bottles, There's very few companies out there that will supply you, but you're working on staff running their truck. So it's still a single hand job. And those pay pretty decent from what I hear. I've never had one of those jobs, but they are out there. But other than that, you're supplying everything yourself. So people hear, oh, you're making 120 bucks an hour. Like you're rich. No, I am not. Like, no. what's what are your consumables and everything, like your truck maintenance, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff? It's like that taking away from your hourly is what a lot of people don't look at. Exactly. Like, what's the average cost for you? So I filled up the truck day before yesterday. I need to go fill it up again after this. And it was from half a tank, a little less than half a tank in the truck and the machine. I was just under $100 in fuel tires every so often when i need them i'm paying about 210 per tire and there's six of them so you do the math on that a box of 7018s is anywhere in the ballpark range of 263 dollars to 300 dollars the what pound just like a, what size box is that uh 50 pound boxes damn that's yeah. a lot of money yeah yeah it is and you really got to take care of your own rods because you know if you don't you're gonna get maybe halfway through that box and it's gonna go bad and you're throwing away half a box of rods because 
it started raining and you didn't, you know, have them put up in a box. You had them left out on the bed of your truck. So like at my house, what I did is I have an old ice box that I turned into a rod oven. And so I store my open boxes of 7018s in there. And if I'm going on a job where I know I'm going to need 7018, the morning that I'm taking off, I get some of these, I think they're like 10, 15 pound cans. And I just throw those rods in there. And that's what I got to do. Cause I don't have a way to keep an oven going in the truck. I've heard there's yeah. ways. I know you can buy those portable ones. That's just, just not something I have. Just lay them uh, on your dash, man. Yes. I mean, being in Texas, I could, even on Christmas. But it's things like that you got to think of. And you really got to spend the money on things like rod cans to keep your rods fresh and keep them from going bad. Because sometimes I get on jobs where I'm, for six months, I'm running nothing but 60-10, 80-10 kind of stuff. So if I just left my 70-18s in the toolbox, you know, on month seven, when I got to go set a wellhead, I'm pretty much going to have to go buy new rods and half a box, quarter box, three quarter box of 70, 18 I had is it went bad. So you got to think about taking care of your stuff. What about insurance? Is that typically through the company? There are some companies that don't require you to carry anything more than like your over the road liability insurance. And then I have other customers that require me to carry my own contractor's insurance. So on all my trucks, I have my over-the-road insurance, and then I have my contractor's insurance, which is insured up to five, $5 million. Hey. Yeah. And I pay that. I pay the umbrella coverage annually. As bad as it sounds, I don't remember what it is I'm paying off the top of my head because it's I, it's a bad habit of mine. A lot of things, I don't check the price. I know I have to have it. So it's, here's the money. All right, get out of my face. And I don't think about it because if I think about it, I'm going to be upset because damn, I just spent (laughs) that much money to work just to work, man. I mean, but that's that these are the type of things that they don't tell you in school. The people that are Mm -hmm. out there like saying, go chase the pipelines, go chase the rig welding. They're not telling you, oh, you're going to have to have insurance. You're going to have to pay for all Mm -hmm. this equipment. What about getting paid? Because I know sometimes that's hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. to get paid from people. Can you tell people some of your experience with that? Oh, I've had some nightmares getting paid sometimes. Usually with a good company, you're going to wait anywhere from two weeks to 90 days to get paid. If you're working as a contractor. Now, if you go in as like a split check rig welder, like typically on pipeline, you're going to work your first week. And then the second Friday you're out there is when you get a paycheck. So it's, you know, you work a full week, the next week you get a paycheck. And uh, how can I put this on the contracting side of things? That's part of what you got to factor into your price is how long is it going to take me to get paid? So I have different rates for different customers And some of that is based on how long they're going to take to pay me. The vast majority of my customers pay me every two weeks. So after we're done here, I got to go pick up two checks from one of my customers here in Alice. And I almost never have any issues with them. And then I have another customer in the next town to the south of me that depending on what day I turn in my invoice, I either get paid on the 15th of that month or the 30th of that month. And they're also really good about being on time with paying me. But then I have these other two companies that I try to avoid working for. But when they call me, if it's bad enough, I'll go. I'm not happy about it, but I'll go. (laughs) But I have an agreement with them that there has to be a blank check on location with my name on it, ready to be filled out as soon as I'm done because they're notorious for not paying people. And one of them, I'm not going to mention any company names here, but the guy told me he was going to pay me through Cash App because he couldn't have a check out there for me. 
And I was like, that's kind of weird. But I mean, (laughs) it's, this was back in 2020, the first time I worked for this company. I was like, it's 2020. So I guess I get it. And I told him, I was like, if that cash app does not hit my phone by the time I'm done rolling up, I'm pulling bevelers out and cutting welds out. And he laughed about it. And I'm like, don't laugh. It's not a joke. And test me, man. Test me. Test me. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> so the guy that was that got me the job with this company was on location with me. And he told his boss, he's like, this guy is not joking when he says he will cut welds out and take just the welds home with him. You know, you better make sure you pay him as soon as he's done. And he was like, yeah, no, I got it. I got it. It's not that big of a deal. Like, I'm going to pay him. Well, we finished rolling up and I'm there talking to this guy I know. And I looked down at my watch and I realized like, oh, it's been 45 minutes since we're done rolling up. I checked my phone and nothing's hit my cash app. So I tell my helper, I was like, all right, get the bevelers out, get the hoses and turn the bottles back on. We're cutting welds out. And yeah. So this guy I know calls his boss and FaceTimes him. And he's, look, he's walking over there right now to start cutting welds out. And his boss is like, but we already turned that system back on. And he was like, oh, he knows how to turn the system off. You sound like Jason Bowen. And it was sort of. <laughs> but just as I'm setting that beveler down on that piece of pipe, my cash app hits. And that guy called me and he was like, were you seriously going to do it? I was like, yeah. Don't If I tell you as soon as I'm done, it hits my bank account and it doesn't, I'm telling you, I will cut welds out and go home. And then you're going to have to call me out here and pay me double to fix it. Damn. That's crazy, man. Like, I just don't, that's something I'm really trying to show people is that it's not like the easiest job. Sure, you're going to make a good amount of money, but like you were saying, there's a lot more expenses and mm-hmm. you're the one that is in charge of tracking that money down most of the time. And that's a job in itself. <laughs> and Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Doing it that way, like I was just saying, like threatening to cut welds out. I don't know the legalities of it. So, you know, I don't care. I will play that game. But some of you younger bucks out there, talk to a lawyer first. Yeah, I am not a lawyer. Don't take legal advice from me. It's probably a bad idea. There are (laughs) right ways of doing this. They have these things called invoice companies where you can sell your invoice after 180 days, sell your invoice to that company. That company will take a percentage of what you're owed. And then they own that invoice. They go after that company and they deal with it. You can take them to small claims court. Like I said, there are better ways of doing it. But the point is, is you have to be ready and willing to put your foot down with these companies and tell them like, hey, you're not going to jerk me around. You're not going to play with me like this. You have to know when to do that. And with, you have to know which companies to be more professional with and which ones to be a little bit more abrasive with. One of my downfalls, and I will admit this, it's something I need to work on as a person, is I typically lean towards the abrasive side because... I don't like people playing with me, but I do have people that I know like, okay, I need to play the game the right way with these people. And I'll still be abrasive, more abrasive than I should be, but I don't get as crazy with it. And that's one thing you have to figure out. And it's kind of a hard thing to do. It's kind of a hard thing to explain, but basically don't let these companies screw you on your money. Figure it out how you're going to get paid. Because the other thing I do is after 90 days, if I have not received a check, I'm adding interest. And I typically do 15% interest, which is pretty high. You figure out what you want to do and how you want to play that. That's between you and them, as far as I'm concerned. That also goes back to me being a little bit more on the abrasive side of I'm not going to play these games with you. Yeah, And you have to understand that if you get this way with people, there's a big chance they're never going to call you back. And personally, the way I see it is that's more of a blessing than a curse. If they never want to call me again, 
it, fine. You already tried screwing me once. I'm not going to give you an opportunity to do it again. You know, you tried to screw me. I ended up screwing you because you shouldn't have tried screwing me in the first place. Well, what kind of taking a new direction here, trying to give people more of an overview of what the lifestyle is like. So what is a typical week look like for you? Because a day is like a, a small snapshot, but I feel like an entire week, like what is a Monday through Sunday look like to you? Is it working every single day? Is it like how many hours a day are you working? Like I know it varies from job to job, but what is a typical mm-hmm. week look like for you? So it varies. Even when things are good, I have slow weeks. Like this past week, I only worked two days. But in those two days, I made enough money that it's not, oh my God, how am I going to buy groceries? Thank God. But there are weeks where it's nonstop. And summers are the busiest for me because that's when I'm out of school. My customers know this. So they will literally have me like, oh, we need to go here, there, do this, that, and the other. Like last summer, even though I was working local, I didn't go, last summer I did not go past San Antonio, Houston line, which is pretty relatively close to the house for me. But last summer I was home maybe seven days total in three months. Damn. Because... Yeah. And it was all kinds of stuff. It was, you know, running some short run pipelines, but just as soon as we were done for the day, oh, we need you to go set a wellhead four towns over. And me and my helper would literally sleep in the truck and go do that wellhead, then come back to that pipeline job the next day, taking truck stop showers or if we were at the rig, we'd tell the company man, hey, can we borrow your shower and your trailer? And the company men that I usually work with are pretty cool about that. And they're like, yeah, sure. Go on in, use a shower, do what you got to do, sleep on the couch, whatever. Not all company men are like that, though, just FYI. But it was a busy summer. This summer has been a little slow. It's mostly been like Monday through Friday. There's been a few weeks where I didn't have anything at all. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. Now, What you need to do in that situation is that free time you have, that's when you go and find more work. Whether it's someone wants a barbecue pit, even though I hate barbecue pits with a passion, I refuse to build barbecue pits. That is not me. But if it's something you enjoy, by all means, go for it. Someone wants a carport built, go do that. Go find a whole new customer that's going to keep you busy in that slow period for you. But that's life as a contract rig welder is you got to constantly be on that hustle and constantly be on that grind. This summer, I'm not even going to lie, you know, my slow times, I've been taking time for me and, you know, spending time with my daughter, going to the gym, going hunting, going fishing, because God's honest truth, everybody needs a break sometimes. Yeah. So this summer, I'm taking that break. It'll probably be another five years before I do that again. But, you know, that's just what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. No, I mean, so that's a big thing that people don't talk about in the welding industry in general is like mental health. Got to be on that grind. Work as much as you possibly can. But there's also you got to take care of yourself. Your mental health is a big Mm -hmm. thing. A lot of people don't really look at welders and be like you know what they need they need a nice relaxing day to like get their head straight yeah and i'm not even gonna lie to you like when i'm working when my hood is down that's when i'm the happiest i am obsessed with what i do for a living i love every bit of it but there have been times where i'm and i'm not gonna lie people can make fun of me if they want i don't care there have been times where i'm sitting in my truck on downtime talking to my daughter on the phone she's asking me when you coming home kind of thing and i break down crying right here in this seat because i miss my daughter i want to go home to my family and sometimes you don't get that and that's because i work local i work within three hours of my house and there are times where i don't get to go home there even during the school year like when i'm teaching there are plenty of times 
pull into my driveway and get a phone call and say, hey, we need you to come out to the rig. So I don't even get to go inside the house. It's, all right, grab my shirt out of the back seat that I've been teaching in all day, throw it in the back seat of the truck, go pick up the helper, and we're off to the rig. And I get home just in time to shower and go straight to school. There are other times where it's just go straight to school after the rig. Damn. And it's hard. So you do need to occasionally take time for you. And because not everyone is going to love this lifestyle as much as I love it. And if you don't, it will wear you down. It will break you down and it will humble you in the craziest ways. And again, that's just part of what we deal with doing this. Even if you're not like contracting out with a bunch of different companies like I am, like you're sticking to one thing and that's your nine to five even though it's never nine to five, let's be real. <laughs> but, you know, that's your seven day a week job. It's hard because if you're doing like a split check job or you're a rig welder at a refinery or in a fab shop, you're working anywhere from 10 to 12 hour days. So that's a long day. You get home and you don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to, you know, go out and get crazy every single night and as bad as it sounds, some people get home and they just want to sit on the couch while their kid's like, oh, let's play, let's play, let's play. You don't have the energy. Yeah. I've come home and didn't have the energy to play with my daughter. And it's no, let's just sit here and watch a movie, please. Like, I'm tired. I had a long day. Thankfully, my daughter's always understood, oh, he's tired. I'll sit and watch a movie with him. And we'll, you know, talk about our day. But then there are other times where it's, yeah, I'm tired. I don't feel like going out and jumping on the trampoline with you, but I do it anyways. Yeah. Because that's that mental health break sometimes. That's when you realize what you're doing is actually really and truly worth it. Yeah. And it's hard. It really is. It, sometimes this sucks. Even for me, with as much as I say I love this, like sometimes it sucks. And that's just the harsh reality of it. Well, but I really appreciate you saying all that. I feel like that is something... I've been talking to people all all across the industry, and it's been a long time since we had a chat on the podcast, but I mean, I hear a lot mm -hmm. of the same kind of, there's this kind of inspiration to get people into the industry, but there's not a lot of just like reality of this is what we're pushing everybody towards. It's like everybody in, mm -hmm. the, in the welding industry, it's like they do look up to rig welders and pipeliners because everybody tells them how much you can make, but it's just like having the reality of what it's really like, I feel like that is so valuable. And I mean, in all parts mm -hmm. of the industry, like I, I definitely want to have this conversation with a whole bunch of different type of people to just kind of give people a real world example of this is what it's like doing this job, not just like the glitz and glamour of the cool arc shots and welding on big pipe and everything, but there's a lot more to the industry. Yeah, yeah. and that's one thing I tell a lot of kids when they message me, about like, oh, what's it like being a rig welder? Or when my students ask me, oh, what's it like being a rig welder? Yeah, it's cool. You get to drive around the big badass truck, even though like my trucks by no means are slick rigs. I'm riding on stock wheels and everything, stock height. And some of these guys go crazy with their trucks and they look phenomenal. That's great. But there are also times where for lunch, you're picking up Vienna sausages and crackers yeah. <laughs> because times get hard for rig welders. You're not always going to have $100 bills falling out of your pockets. No. And if you're one of those guys who does go out and spend $30,000 on just rims and tires, like you're going to have some hard times. Yeah. You got to put the money where you need it, like progressing your career. And yes. And there's nothing wrong with, you want to put a six inch lift and American force rims on your truck. That's all good. And well, but make sure you get the important stuff paid off first. You know, your house saving for your future, saving for emergencies, things like that. If you're going to have kids, those kids are going to need to go to college someday. Yeah. You know, or trade school. Just saying. Yeah, no. And not everyone can be a doctor or a lawyer. That's why I'm here where I'm at. I could not be a doctor or a lawyer. Although that's what my mother wanted me to be. Well, and that's, I mean, you're pretty much a doctor. You just, you don't work on people. You work on 
piping and metal. You're a surgeon. Yeah, no, I tell everyone here at the college, yeah, I got a PhD. It's out in the field. It's just yeah. as many hours and years. I have a doctorate's degree in hard labor from the School of Hard Heads and Hard Knocks. <laughs> just because it's not on a piece of paper yet doesn't mean shit to me. Yeah. But you can refer to me as Dr. Wilson. Yep, Dr. Wilson. Well, Dr. Wilson, I always love to end each episode. I feel like we've had really important information come out in this one so far, but I always try to end each episode with advice for people either getting into the industry or trying to go further. And I think it would be awesome to hear what is your biggest advice for people that are interested in becoming a rig welder? There's a few points on that I want to touch on. So for one, most importantly, do not... For the love of God, do not let your girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever it is you're into, whether you're a man or a woman, I no judgment, do not let them hold you back. That was part of the other thing that kept me from rigging out faster is because I want to spend more time with my girlfriend at the time. Don't let them hold you back. If they're really supportive of you and your dreams, they're going to put in the work to make sure that you get where you want to be and get where you need to be. And there are a lot of times where a significant other is going to be like, oh, well, you're already making this much money working at this shop. We should go out on dates every weekend. We should go shopping all the time, spending a bunch of money. That leads me to my second point. Besides not letting someone hold you back or try to talk you down or anything like that, besides someone that's going to build you up, do not get crazy with your money. Learn to get good with your money. If you do not absolutely have to have it starting out, don't buy it. And if it is something you're going to buy, stick with the rule that I stick with. If I don't have enough money to buy two of them, I don't have enough money to buy one of them. So my hobbies that I get into, I set aside the budget for that. If I want to go buy a new hunting rifle, yeah, I got enough money in my bank account right now to go get a new hunting rifle. What if something comes up later that week and I spent anywhere from 700 to two grand on a new rifle? That's going to leave me in a bind. So I save for it. Set aside a budget for things and do it slow, do it small. So that way you have more money to put towards the important things that you absolutely have to have. So learn to get good with your money. Learn not to let people whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, or even just your friends or family members, do not let them hold you back for whatever reason, whether it's financially, emotionally, physically. If you want this, you're going to have to work, and it's going to be hard. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose boyfriends or girlfriends. Let them go. If you really want to succeed in this life, that's what you're going to have to do. And it's another thing that sucks about this. Well, it's, I've been told instead of losing people, it's outgrowing them because they're not growing with you with your career and they're not on the same mm -hmm. page. It's okay to let people go that aren't, aren't going to go on that journey with you. And I feel like that's a big, mm -hmm. that was a hard thing for me. Still a hard thing for me. I love friends and I love even family that they might not be the most supportive or might not be the most helpful but it's hard to kind of distance yourself from that to help yourself excel in life. And mm -hmm. it's a lifelong journey for sure, but you got to pick your battles. Yep. Yep. Well, and one other thing I'm going to say is when these things happen and they will happen, when you, as you say, outgrow somebody, do not let your heart hang on to any kind of hate or resentment for those people. Mm -hmm. That's, this is just how life goes. So, Remember to root for those friends that you outgrew or just had to leave behind. Root for them in the background because yeah. they have their dreams and things they want to accomplish. And you can't be there because y'all just had to go separate ways. So just wish them the best when you see them. Tell them you're wishing the best for them. And don't hold on to any hate because I used to do that and it hurt me more than it helped me, honestly as far as like my mental health went yeah so same here just same here well this is mm has -hmm. been an awesome chat i really think that people are going to get a lot out of all the information 
That was a lot of information. I'm really excited to, because mm-hmm. that's that's what I just really want to do. I might not be out there on the front lines with everybody, but like I definitely want to want people to know. I want you to know what mm-hmm. you're getting into, and I feel like there's all this talk with trying to get this next generation into welding, but I want to make sure that people know what they're getting into. So I really appreciate your knowledge. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate everything you put out. If you are looking for really a great mentor to look up to, and this is what you want to do, do check out Hunter's page. Like, it is awesome. Like, you do awesome work. You're very good at explaining things, and it's just I appreciate what you do and who you are. So I just want to say thanks again. And I appreciate that. And I do post a lot of inspirational stuff on my Instagram and TikTok. But, you know, I'm going to start doing some more in-depth stuff on the Weld app. So, you know, y'all can hit me up there and I will be more than happy to help you with anything I got, anything I can. You know, I'll be there for you. Come look me up in the Weld app. Also, Texas Pipeliner 35. And let's have a talk. Let's chit chat. Let's learn some stuff together. Even if you're going to teach me something, I'd love to learn something new. But whatever y'all got, I'm here for you. Just let me know. Well, I appreciate you, man. This is awesome. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. And thank you, Hunter, for sitting down and giving us an idea of what it's like being a rig welder. I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Arc Labs, Outlaw Leather and Lincoln Electric for making the show possible and for helping us all learn about the pathways available in the welding industry. If you have a topic you'd like me to cover or you want to be a guest on the show, reach out to me on the Weld app at BoDidIt or shoot me an email to bow at weld.com. Speaking of the app, if you want to see Hunter in action, you can find his videos over in the e-learning section on the app. Download it today and see everything it has to offer to take your career to the next level. Until next week, we'll see you out there.